God's grace truly is wonderful, and his grace does indeed lead us. What a blessing God's grace is to us all. I'd like to invite Pat and Mary Morin to come forward now, bringing with them their son Asa to be baptized and bringing my buddy Emerson up here with them too. This morning's a very blessed occasion. If I can actually stay right in front of the table there, that'd be great. Yeah. It's a very blessed occasion because we get to observe and take part in the sacrament of holy baptism. As Christians, we baptize not just because it's a tradition. Rather, we baptize because the Lord commands it. After his resurrection and before he ascended, he met with his disciples on a number of occasions on the last such occasion. Among his final words to his disciples were these. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so we baptize according to the command of our Lord. Now, different traditions have different understandings of of what exactly is going on in baptism, what we're doing exactly. As Presbyterians, we believe that we baptize not because the waters of baptism somehow affect salvation in the soul of the one being baptized. Rather, we understand that baptism is a sign and a seal of the covenant of grace, that covenant that God has made with his people. And so it is that we believe that the main speaker in a baptism is not the person being baptized, identifying with the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Christ Jesus. It is not the the parents of the child promising to bring the child up in a Christian surrounding. It's not the congregation making commitments or the pastor who is conducting the ceremony. Rather, we understand that the primary speaker in any baptism is God. It is the God of covenant promises, the God who through the psalmist promises his steadfast love is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. And it is God who tells us through the words of the apostle Peter preaching at Pentecost, this promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. You see, in baptism, and specifically the baptism of children, we see much more than a watery dedication of those children. It is rather a a recognition on our part of God's love and provision for them, of their actual membership within the covenant people of God. And of the church's assumption of care and oversight of them. Pat, Mary, if you'd face me, I have a couple questions for you. By having Asa baptized, do you reaffirm your confession before this congregation that you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, your only Savior from sin and judgment? Do you? 
And by having him baptized, do you declare it to be your intention to walk faithfully with Christ as your Lord and to serve God in the fellowship of this church? Do you? And do you commit to raising him in a Christian home, setting a godly example for him, and teaching him the scriptures with the hope that he will one day confess Christ Jesus as Savior and Lord? Do you? And now, I have some questions for the congregation of this church. If you're a member of Calvary, would you please rise? Do you, the members of this congregation, acting for yourselves and on behalf of the whole body of Christ, assume responsibility with these parents for the spiritual nurture of this child, do you? And do you commit yourself to set a godly example before Asa to provide, as far as you are able, all that is necessary to the end, that this child may one day confess Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, do you? You may be seated. I'll have, I tell you what, if I can have you guys stand right down here on the bottom. Asa is, a, is a, an uncommon name for us, but it is a biblical name. And if we were to understand this name, it's, it's important that we have a quick Old Testament lesson. Not a whole sermon here, but just a quick Old Testament lesson. As we look to the Old Testament, we, we see that there was King David this seminal figure of the Old Testament of the people of God, this great king who served as a covenantal representative of the people of God. And God made a promise to David. God promised David in 2 Samuel 7, he said, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for his name, and he will establish a throne of his kingdom forever. This was first fulfilled in a primary sense in Solomon, who was the son of David, who indeed built a house for the Lord, a temple that stood in Jerusalem. But Solomon, who was marked by wisdom, by the fact that he built the temple, was not the end of this promise. He was actually a type pointing forward to a greater fulfillment of this promise, a more full fulfillment of this promise, which would be found ultimately in the person of Christ Jesus, of course. And so it was that when Solomon died, his son Rehoboam became the king, and Rehoboam was not wise like his father Solomon had been, and he looked to the, the advice of younger friends as opposed to wiser elders, and as a result, the kingdom split into two. And the ten northern tribes of Israel left and were no longer under his rule, and he only ruled over Judah, the southern two tribes. And 1 Kings 14.22 tells us that under the reign of Rehoboam, Judah did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and they provoked him to jealousy with their sins that they committed. And after 17 years, Rehoboam died, and his son Abijam came to reign. And we read of him in 1 Kings 15 that he walked in all the sins that his father did before him. And his heart was not wholly true to the Lord, his God. Nevertheless, for David's sake, the Lord, his God, gave him a lamp in Jerusalem, setting up his son after him 
and establishing Jerusalem. You see, God was faithful to his promise to David. And Abijam died after reigning for only three years, and his son Asa arose to the throne. And we read in 1 Kings 15, 11, that Asa did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, as David his father had done. He cleaned up much of the mess that Rehoboam and Abijam had created, and he restored much of what had been undone. You see, he looked at a world where things were all wrong, and he set them to rights. This son of David, this good king, this one who did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, like Solomon, actually serves to point us forward to another one who is a good king. Another one who did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Another son of David, Christ Jesus, of course. What a wonderful biblical namesake he has, this little Asa. Asa, it is my prayer for you that you would be like your biblical namesake, that you too would be wholly devoted to the Lord all the days of your life, and like good King Asa, you would point others to Christ Jesus the Lord. Asa Timothy Warren child of the covenant i baptize you in the name of god the father god the son and god the holy spirit amen please pray with me heavenly father we thank you for your steadfast love and for your covenant faithfulness And as we come before you this morning, we give thanks for Asa and for his baptism. May his biblical namesake be a reminder to us all of the faithfulness that you desire, but even more so of the faithfulness that you provide. Might you bless his parents and bless us all that we might be faithful to those vows which we have undertaken on this day. And we pray that Asa and all the covenant's children of this congregation would grow up knowing you as their Savior claiming your covenantal promises as their own. We ask this in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Please rise with me now and sing hymn number 690.